Section 8 of What She Said and What She Meant and People Who Haven't Time and Can't Afford It by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. People Who Haven't Time and Can't Afford It, Chapter 3 Varied Experiences. And their children, too, I suppose. And their children to the House of Correction or any other place where they can be kept from being a pest to the city those are my sentiments and you are welcome to them and mr landor brought his hand down on the table in so emphatic a manner that the plate glass shivered at the jar and he thereby evinced that this was a sore question with him touching somewhere a bare spot in his conscience as for mrs layman his excitement seemed to cool and quiet her you are more willing to support the poor than i supposed she said with quiet sarcasm in voice and manner i certainly do not expect any such munificent donation as you will have to give for your share if you propose to have this great army of people clothed and fed for the future at the expense of the state now i was for putting them in a way to help themselves but you propose to take care of them and their children for all time still there is one trouble in the way what about their souls the prisons and penitentiaries stand ready i suppose to look after their bodies at least you can be taxed to help build places large enough to receive them but will they assume the responsibility of the souls i thought the lord left that work for us his professed followers he said they would always be with us he didn't say anything about our finding them nowhere save in prisons and penitentiaries mr landor stared at her as though she were talking in an unknown tongue the fact is he said after a moment i haven't time to be sentimental about this thing i have had to work hard myself am working hard yet and i am not given to gush or sentiment of any sort a man like your husband who can work for his wages i am willing to respect but a man who comes snivelling around me expecting sympathy because he doesn't want to work and support his family i've neither time nor patience for i can't afford to support the poor of this city mrs layman in point of fact now what do you want to do have soup houses and free lunches and hot coffee and sandwiches and educate the people and elevate the masses i know the terms you see i'll bosh the whole of it if you'll excuse my saying so and your husband is much too sensible a man to allow you to get mixed up with it or i'm mistaken as long as you feed the vagrants for nothing they will be willing to be fed and as long as they can live without work they'll do it as for the children who are too young to work they have got to suffer for the sin of their parents that's bible i'll risk any of them starving either that sort never do no ma'am i can't head your list can't afford it let em work and earn their living as i do mrs layman rose to go long ago she had decided that this man could not claim brotherhood with the self-sacrificing long-suffering lord she began to feel that his family on earth was smaller than she had supposed yet her voice was not disheartened nor her manner that of one crushed 
well mr landor we shall have an industrial school and try to teach these children to work and earn their own living and we shall have soup houses too by and by and sandwiches and coffee and when you come to lunch with us you shall not be insulted by being offered anything free you shall pay a good round price for it i am sorry that you don't see the way clear to help us but we shall do it she did not know in the least who the we meant but the lord knew he honored her faith just then with a touch of sight uncle frank a clear youthful voice came up from the lower end of the table i want to help about this thing madame if you please i will head your list i can't do it so well as my uncle could if he would but almost anybody can start a thing and she reached forth her hand for the paper i'll write my subscription in pencil and in order to be sure that it is binding you may if you please pay it now uncle frank but my dear child you should take time to reflect before you waste your money i have reflected long enough to know that somebody may be starving just this minute i'll help feed them first and reflect afterward but maud i am your guardian remember i don't know that i ought to let you waste your money she pushed the paper toward him with a gleam in her eye that meant business as she said but uncle i am of age remember if i choose to waste my money i am not sure that you can help it a flush of victory mounted to mrs layman's very forehead as she received back her subscription paper and she gave her hand to the young girl with an eager thank you that was almost like a benediction she saw the clear unmistakable characters that had been traced on the paper maud l harlow one hundred dollars i want to be one of your teachers miss maud said earnestly retaining the hand and looking with strong grave eyes into mrs layman's liquid ones that is if you will teach me how i don't know anything about such work but i know i can learn maud in harsh tones from her uncle why maudie in pleading ones from her aunt my dear child i wouldn't have you do such a thing for the world such a horrid place for infection miss maud laughed my life is no more precious than others auntie if you are afraid to have me board here i'll go to the sansom house they are not afraid of any amount of infection if you give them money enough anyway i'm going to work in this school if i can get a chance uncle frank there is no use in talking i know what i am about my father got the first dinner he had had for three days in a public soup-house once and you began your education in a charity school you know do you think i could forget the debt of gratitude i owe was mrs layman discouraged with her two hours work do you think not a bit of it she was not the woman to have gone home discouraged and to have folded her hands and wept over failure even had she not met miss maud harlow that afternoon indeed i will own that she was of the temperament which made her after the third rebuff set her lips together in the firm way that some women can and say to herself now we will have an industrial school and all the other improvements but then meeting miss maud and having her name on a bit of paper 
and hearing her words and clasping her hand made her feel gloriously triumphant made her feel as though she had been at court and clasped hands with one of the princesses of the realm and so she had she gave an account of her afternoon's work at the tea-table after the little laymans were sleeping the sleep of downright weariness detailing her experiences with touches of humour that made the husband shout with laughter and the white strings of grandma's cap quiver as she more quietly enjoyed the fun then she said you went too far to the other extreme daughter it isn't the very rich who can understand and help the very poor that is as a rule there are miss mods thank the lord who are exceptions but as a rule the busy workers are the ones to join heart and hand in such work mindful of that bit of advice from her wise old mother mrs layman on her very next afternoon of leisure went out to call on mrs jenny johnson who lived in a pretty house just around the corner from the avenue she being one of those who though not by any means poor was certainly not among the wealthy mrs layman knew her very well in fact exchanged calls with her occasionally a most unlucky time had she chosen however for this call mrs johnson was preparing for a tea-party she had invited mrs dr merchant and mrs judge butler to take tea with her as well as a dozen other persons less notable she was making special preparations mrs layman by virtue of her being an acquaintance and by virtue of the hostess being in great haste and anxiety concerning something in the oven was suddenly summoned to the dining-room to look at the table for the feast was to be that very evening it was worthy of being looked at as a matter of curiosity if one looked from no other standpoint having only one girl explained mrs johnson as she wiped a streak of flour from her flushed cheek makes it necessary for me to set the table before any of them come and obliges me to do the whole of the getting ready myself i declare it makes slavish work of having company if i weren't ashamed about having so many people invite me and never returning it i don't believe i'd ever get at it in the world as it is i haven't invited half the people i wanted now we wanted you and mr layman tonight but dear me we didn't get around to your street at all mrs layman disclaimed as best she could any expectation of an invitation and then she regarded the table with an amused air while the overtasked martyr continued her tale of woe i have had to do every bit of the cooking myself and my fruit cake did act abominably i had to make the second batch before it looked black enough to suit me my pound cake looks nice doesn't it and i had real good luck with my gold and silver and orange cakes but the thing i pride myself on is this lemon cream cake i do think lemon cream cake is the very prettiest looking cake that ever was made but such a sight of work as it is my bones fairly ached the day i made it i whipped the eggs myself an egg-beater is nowhere when you come to such delicate work as that two three four six counted mrs layman to herself and smiled again 
six kinds of cake with which to entertain a company of ordinarily well-fed people after seven o'clock in the evening besides there were pickled pears and pickled plums and currant jelly and grape jelly and canned quince and canned peach and stewed cranberries and chicken salad and cold turkey and oysters scalloping in the oven as fast as they could poor mrs johnson didn't know that mrs judge butler whom she was so anxious to honor would not have had one half of these dishes at her table our mrs layman who had originally come from an aristocratic tree was quite aware of it she wondered within her earnest soul why good sense or failing in that why conscience itself did not loudly protest against this foolish waste of money time and strength mrs johnson in her anxiety had no room for conscience do you suppose the cake will dry she asked anxiously it isn't cut but i didn't know how to manage unless i had it on the table before they came i haven't a girl who can attend to any such thing she is only a cheap girl it is one of the miseries of being poor poor and the mistress of that table spread for one evening's feast and not by any means intended for the halt or the lame or the blind or the poor and needy in any form the words suggested to mrs layman the object of her call and more it must be confessed because of a curious desire to study human nature from this standpoint than because she had any expectation of help she made known her wants End of section 8